0: Thank you band, Mariette and team. Um, I really felt the presence of the Lord and I'm sure we can all testify to that. Amen? <laughs> so, as I am busy speaking, just think of this as a continuation of that. And um, you're not just something that stopped what God is already busy doing in this place. I'm very excited for what the Lord is doing in our church and just spending these precious moments together in His presence Just always, it's such a blessing and it's such a privilege. And just for a few moments, can I ask that we just close our eyes. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Thank you that we can come and bow at your feet. You truly are the King of Kings. I pray, Lord, that you will help each one of us in this building today to come to you with hearts surrendered to your working to the working of your Holy Spirit. Come and reveal your truth to us through your word. Father, may we hear your truth today, not man's truth, but the truth of God. Come and speak to each person where they are at today. Come and meet with us. Come and open the eyes of our hearts today, Lord, that we will respond to your glory, that we will respond to your goodness. We praise your name. Amen. So I, was, I have the privilege of sharing a message today, and as I was um, contemplating last week of what I should share, there's so many things going on um, around us, but what I usually do is I go for a run. That always helps. I think probably every message that I've shared starts similar like this. I go for a run. That's why... What I do, I don't run to get fit, I run to stay sane, and I think many of us can relate to that. But as I was running, I was also contemplating, you have this time alone with yourself, so all your thoughts are with you. And I was just contemplating all the things that um, I must still do that day, because it was early in the morning. And I was thinking of all the things that were happening that week, the things that have passed, but also the things that must still happen in, our li- in my life today, this week, this month. And all these things just started racing through my head. And um, as one usually does, you start planning, you start thinking, and your focus, everything starts shifting towards that. Pretty soon you forget you are running, you are just busy planning in your head. But then out of a sudden, just out of nowhere, <laughs> this chorus of a song just jumps into my head and it's part of the chorus and it's it's the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace who knows that song <laughs> that him? yeah okay praise god for that for those that do not know it's part of turn your eyes upon jesus and as soon as that happened as soon as those words jumped into my head like you re- you drive in the car you drive with your kids to school and they request a song i know my kids they always request a song they always fight who sits in front and the, the one that can sit in front, that's his privilege. The one that sits at the back has the privilege of requesting a song. And then for some reason, it's only two minutes to school, but then that song sticks in your head the whole morning. Um, but that's exactly what happened. That song just stuck in my head. And this was on my way to my destination. So I pretty much had quite a, quite a while where the song just, uh, just looped in my head. And the things of this world will grow strangely. Dim. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I just thought about that. And the more I pondered about it, the more I thought about the words and the lyrics, the more things around me started changing. Because all of a sudden my mind was quiet about thinking of all the things that I was going to do that day and this week. And I was just just absorbing everything that God is doing. I was just absorbing this beautiful mountain. The sun was just about to come up. You hear the ocean. You see the trees. You focused on God's glory. Um, And I was just so overwhelmed with His presence on a run. I was overwhelmed by His presence all the way up until I got to my home. And in that moment, overwhelmingly aware of the Lord's presence, I just felt this great hope, this great assurance those things that I was thinking about that must still happen this week, next week, next month, next year, 10 years, those things that run around in my head, those things just came kind of quieted down and they were replaced by this great hope and assurance that I have in Christ, knowing that He is enough. Fixing my eyes on him, thinking of those lyrics, turn your eyes upon Jesus, looks full to his wonderful face. As I was turning my eyes to Jesus, the things of this world started to grow strangely dim in my life. My perspective changed, my focus changed. Now that great open assurance... Um, I was so blessed, and I'm sure all of us here that were here the last two weeks were so blessed by Pastor Andres' series on um, mature, complete, lacking nothing the last two weeks. And he was speaking about that very same hope and assurance that we have in Christ when we behold Him. A hope which makes which make us different as Christians, as followers of Christ, knowing where our hope comes from, knowing where our assurance is in. It sets sets us apart. It makes us different. Now, I ask myself these questions often as I started with that run as well. Where is my focus? Where is my attention? Where am I running to? What am I running from? What's the end goal going to look like? Am I going to make it? Am I not going to make it? What is important? Now, all of us in this, in this room tonight, today, we, we kind of experience that a lot in our lives. We ask ourselves similar questions. And then, all of a sudden, I was thinking, how does this look practically? How would I convey this practically? Now, the last two weeks, we had the amazing privilege of seeing the Cape Epic come through our town. And just for a week or so, things the humble Eastliff just changed into something completely different. Um, when you come down Hoiskopi, all of a sudden there's this miniature city that was erected on the high school field and the, the cricket field. It was a place that was filled with buildings, tents, um, there were vans, there were, there were cars, there were ablution blocks, toilets, showers, there were electricity outlets, water outlets. I remember the one day coming down Hoiskopi, I even felt like I was driving into a different town for a for a moment there were these new road signs all of a sudden it felt completely different my focus was completely shifted to what was going on around me completely unaware of thinking that this was the normal empty high school field or that was the old cricket field where my kids play soccer now it changed into a city and it kind of became something that we grew accustomed to every time you drive past you you cannot help but look at it And then overnight, you wake up one morning and then you see they start packing up two, three days. This morning I see there's almost nothing left, just the patches of the grass. There's the old high school again, the old high school field, the cricket field is back, it's still there. So easy, it was a practical example, but it's so easy for us to, in a moment where our focus is shifted towards something, that's all we think about, it starts consuming our time, it starts consuming our energy, and there's things in this world that are fighting for our attention, fighting for our resources, demanding it. And then it hit me. Are my eyes turned to Jesus? Am I focused on things of eternal value, things of Him, or am I focused on things of temporary value? Now, the key text that I want to share from today is in John 9. And just to give you some background in John 9, this, is the, this falls within the last six months of Jesus' earthly ministry. So tension was extremely high between him and the Pharisees. This healing was the healing of the blind man. And it happened in or around the Feast of the Tabernacle. So this was in Jerusalem. So there was a, a very big, high Jewish presence Tensions were at an all-time high because just a few chapters earlier we read jesus uh, referred to himself as the light of the world and he also used the words referring to himself as i am now this this angered the jews incredibly because a mere man claiming that he is the light the the illumination on the path from death to life and likening himself to god by saying i am said these things. So much so that they picked up stones and they wanted to stone him for it. So tensions were at an all-time high. But then shortly after this, we read this incredible miracle. And I'm going to read from John 9, verse 1 to 12. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? was born blind?" Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which translated "Sent." So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen, this man was blind, said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered them, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Now, this beautiful miracle is an incredible example of someone standing in the Lord's presence, beholding him, and with a heart open, being changed by his glory, receiving sight. Now, the beauty of this miracle is revealed in Scripture in three different stages. And we're going to address each stage as we journey along together. But the first thing that I um, feel Scripture was highlighting here for us is the very fact that our adversities, our blindness, can reveal God's glory. You see, He is the light of the world. And when the light enters, darkness cannot prevail. Now, the disciples asked him, that who sinned, this man or his parents, which was Jewish custom. They, they ascribed the, the blindness to, to sin. And Jesus said, no. But the, that the work of God may be displayed in his life. You see, later on, we go on to read a few chapters on in, in John 11, when Jesus hears about his friend Lazarus who got sick. This is right before Jesus goes and and prays for his, his resurrection. Jesus hears that his friend is sick, and Jesus' response is almost similar, almost exactly the same to the response that he gave his disciples with the blind man. He said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son may be glorified through it. You see, every challenge, every affliction that we face in life, every adversity that we face as human beings is a glorious opportunity for God to come and do something amazing. It's an opportunity for God to come and reveal His mercy in our lives, His glory and His grace in our lives, a place where things seem, look seemingly impossible, but what is impossible for man is possible for God. Our adversities, our blindness can reveal God's glory. He is the light of the world. Further on, we read that we see the the neighbors of this man and the people that knew him. They had mixed responses to, to this transformation that happened in him. But when they met with him, they asked him and he responded. A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam. So I went and I washed and I received sight. A man called Jesus. This man heard the voice of Jesus. He believed in him and he followed his instruction and he went. Through the word and the works of the Son of Jesus Christ, our light of the world, our illumination on the path from death to life, God's glory was revealed Although a physical healing took place, later on we're going to see the profound spiritual impact just of this healing. One can almost say a bigger healing took place after that. But be that as it may, the blind man standing in front of Jesus, the Son of God, hearing his voice and believing in him, behold it, Jesus. We too, by standing in front of him, hearing his voice, trusting him, expectantly like this blind man, we can behold jesus in our lives the process might not make sense i'm sure the man asked or wondered pondered why did this man spit on the ground made clay and put it on my eyes now there are many theories surrounding this you can go do a few searches on the internet but the fact stands is that this man trusted the lord he stood in his presence he obeyed him and he was healed and he received his sight You see, when the light of the world, Jesus Christ, hallelujah, steps onto the scene, darkness cannot be there. Darkness does not prevail. In John 1 we read, he is the light in the life of men and darkness cannot comprehend. And this brings me to my second observation is that the things of this world, they will try to deny the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. They will try to contend for those things that we believe in. But an open heart allows for his light to shine into our lives. As we continue with this story, this man, after receiving sight, this angered the Pharisees so much. Now, before this, even a few chapters before this, Jesus angered them to such an extent, calling them sons of the devil because of their hardened hearts. So they were already ang- angry. But to add more to this anger is Jesus did this healing on the Sabbath. Then the Pharisees, they start to form this, this whole um, task force almost. Uh, getting people together, interviewing them, asking questions. Uh, asking leading questions, asking difficult questions. They, they got the man's parents in. They made accusations by saying, is this really the man? Was he really blind from, from birth? They started adding all these different mixed perceptions in, trying to build a case against Jesus, trying to trap him. So they get the man in, they ask him a few questions and he answers and then they leave him and then they get the parents in of this man and the parents who were so afraid of these leaders, these Jewish leaders, they were afraid to respond because they knew if they would would affirm this healing, they would be kicked out of the synagogue. So they go and they tell the Pharisees, our son is of age, you can ask him. Ask him. So they get the son in again, trying to build their case. And then they start lambasting him with these entrapping questions, these leading questions. But I want us to take note this morning just of the response of this blind man. How he responds to the questions that the Pharisees ask him. In John 9, verse 17, we read, They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, He is a prophet. Verse 24 to 25, So they say again, So they again called the man who was blind, and they said to him, Give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether this man is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, I now see. This blind man, the the man who was blind, continues to say in verse 32, Since the the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. The more the Pharisees try to discredit this man's, um, this man's story, the more they try to discredit Jesus' miracle, Jesus' sign that he did, the more this man's perception of who Jesus was in his life progressed. Remember in verse 11, this man said, a man called Jesus. In verse 17, he calls him a prophet. And then later on at the end in verse 33, he says, a man from God, someone from God. A heart open to the, to the working of Jesus Christ in our lives reveals the true nature of Jesus. It reveals his marvelous light in our lives that comes and fills us and comes and fills the places where the darkness is, illuminating the path from death to life. A heart that testifies like this blind man of God's glory Being expectant, believing faithfully like this blind man believed reveals the true glory of Jesus Christ in our lives. You see, there comes a time in our lives where we are faced with certain situations where there is darkness all around us. I know many of us have been in situations where we cannot see what is going on. We cannot understand why we are not really experiencing seeing God's glory or God's goodness in our lives. We feel surrounded by darkness. Maybe some of us here today, we're in that place of darkness. We feel we are blind. Yet the sun, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, is standing right there, ready to illuminate the path for us. Willing and able to open our eyes if we let Him. If we put our complete faith And trust in Him just like this blind man did. Unfortunately, with hardened hearts, we are going to miss it. The Apostle Paul himself recalls his own conversion. And we read in Acts 26, quite a similar incident. And Paul says, While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at Midday, O King, along the road I saw a light from heaven. Brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both to the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Our response to Jesus' enlightenment can change our lives completely. Saul was a man hardened. His heart was hard. If we go read the the proper account when this happened, this was, a, this was sort of Paul testifying about it. But in Acts 9, it's the real account and there's a little bit more content. And, and we read his heart was full of rage towards disciples and God's people. Yet God came and God met him. The Lord met him. And his heart was open. He understood this is something more. Our response to Jesus' enlightenment not only opens our spiritual eyes, but it helps others to see the truth as we see in the life of Paul. And The wonderful thing is that the Lord helps us on this journey. The best thing is that he gets the glory. Ironically, Paul was blind for three days after that. But he received his sight. But this concept flows into to the last point that I make, the, this observation, is that the, the blind will see. Christ will open our spiritual eyes. The blind will see. The third part of this healing testimony we read from John, uh, in John 9 from verse 35 to 41. Jesus heard that they cast him out. The blind man was, was thrown out of the synagogue. Jesus heard this. And when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who, may, who see may be blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore your sin remains. You see, Jesus came and he shifted the whole conversation. He did not only do a physical healing, but this was also a spiritual opening of the eyes. You see, we see restoration of spiritual sight taking place here in the man. To those who hears his words, receives them with open hearts. The blind man's response was one of obedience and faithful expectation, eventually ending with him in worship. Giving God his true, due reverence. The Pharisees' hearts unfortunately revealed, their response unfortunately revealed that their hearts were hardened to Jesus. They have seen what Jesus has done. They have heard God's words, yet they reluctantly still did not believe. The hardness of their hearts caused their blindness, even though they claimed sight. How many times have we in our lives seen the Lord working, doing things? We all have a testimony of some sort. Yet we get to a point where we struggle to see past this darkness that we are facing. We get to a point where we feel this blindness, this spiritual blindness. And we know it's there because we have tasted and we have seen what the Lord has done. Our physical eyes are open, but our spiritual eyes are closed. We hear the word, we understand it, but we struggle to apply it in our lives. When Jesus went to Nazareth, and this was about two and a half years before this healing, to put it in better context, this was right after his temptation in the desert, and we read it in Luke 4, he goes to the synagogue in Nazareth, and he starts reading from the prophet Isaiah. In Luke 4 from verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus reading. Because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken-hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then He closed the book, gave it to the attendant, and sat down. All of the eyes who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. All the eyes were turned to Jesus. And he began to say to them, Today, scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What a way to launch His public ministry. Jesus launched His public ministry with these words. He came to set the captives free. He came to bring liberty to those who needed freedom. He came to rescue those that needed saving. He came to open the eyes, physical and spiritual, to those who could not see. He came to heal our hearts. He came to give us life. He is the light of the world. So that when we turn our eyes unto Jesus, we look full to His glory and grace. The things of this world will indeed grow strangely dim. Because we see the truth. Now there's a story that I was, I was um, contemplating of how I'm going to put this in my message. But when I was singing this song or on this run, I was thinking of this song. And, and I know hymns usually... Old hymns usually have beautiful backstories. Many of these hymns have incredible stories. So, after I received, and this happened after I I received the scripture of John 9, I went and I searched and I did some research on this hymn of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And it was written by a lady called Helen Howarth Lemon. She was born in England in 1863 to a house of a Methodist pastor. And when she was 12 years old, they moved to America. Now, this girl was extremely talented. She was an extremely talented musician, a singer, a songwriter, a hymn writer. She was very accomplished. So much so that her parents um, did all they could to get her the best teachers money can buy to further develop her gift. She even had the privilege of going abroad for four years, studying in Germany. Music, extended vocal training. And then there she met her husband, a European, a very wealthy man. She had an amazing life. Things were looking good for her. But then unfortunately, her husband left her because they found out she, was, she started to become blind. She was losing her sight. Now this began a time of great struggle and adversity in her life. But God remained faithful. And her spiritual eyes remained open. She continued to trust the Lord so much so that in that state of blindness, she traveled across her whole country. She was in America back then again. She did a whole tour to all different churches doing musical tours for many years. Eventually, in her her middle ages, she started teaching vocal lessons at some of the best Bible colleges in America. And at age 55 a crucial, pivotal point in her life. Her life changed completely. A friend of hers gave her a a pamphlet, a religious pamphlet of an Algerian missionary, and the title of this pamphlet was called Focused. And when she opened the, the pamphlet, it contains these words that would forever change her life, but not just her life, a life of millions, as I saw many hands were raised earlier. Knowing that song. And those words said, So then turn your eyes upon him, look full into his face, and you will see that the things of the earth will acquire a strange new dimness. She composed these words to what eventually would become the popular hymn that we all know about, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. In that very same week, she wrote the verses. Now, in her older age, she, she was living in a small one-bedroom apartment. She was living in poverty. And she had this small plastic little keyboard next to her where she would still continue to compose songs on, still continue to sing. She couldn't write, unfortunately. She had to call in the help of people from local churches to come and help her late at night and just to come write the lyrics because she would tend to forget them as well. But her... Oh, Her heart, the eyes of her heart were open to what the Lord was doing in her life. She always said that one day she's going to exchange this small little plastic keyboard for the great keyboard in heaven. And she cannot wait for that day to come. And if people asked Helen, this is testimonies, you can go look it up. If they asked her how it was going in her life, her response would be, I'm doing well in all the things that count. She went on to write almost 500 hymns, many of who were singing in churches all across the world. She passed away in 1961, 13 days before her 98th birthday. She had a full life, filled with darkness, filled with challenges, filled with afflictions, filled with adversity. Yet she chose to behold Jesus. Before she even read those lyrics, her life modeled someone who beholds Jesus, like Vanna brought this morning, what a true worshipper looks like, beholding him, seeing him, the heart of a worshipper. Her spiritual eyes were opened, just like the man in John 9. The Lord used her blindness for his goodness, for his glory. Although she was physically blind. Her spiritual eyes were open and she probably saw better than most people. I want us to stand for a moment and if I can ask the band to come up. If we can all for a moment just close our eyes. You see, to believe in Jesus, to fix our eyes on Him. To behold who He is and what He has done for us. When we fully comprehend that, we truly have sight. We can see. Hebrews 12 puts it this way. Scripture we know so well. Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame. And has sat down at the right hand of God. You see, Jesus never wanted us to be ready in this life alone. He was always preparing us for a greater life beyond this pilgrimage that we are currently living in. So what is preventing us today? What is preventing you today? To turn your eyes unto Jesus, to look to Him. To see His wonderful face. I want to make an invitation out. I want to pray If there's anyone here today, I want to pray for those who have never made this decision to commit their lives completely, to surrender their hearts completely to Jesus. Just like the blind man did. Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of God? And his response was, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. If that is you today and you resonate with that blind man, you want to accept Jesus into your life, into your heart. If you can quickly just raise your hand. I just want to acknowledge you and I want to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those hands, for those responses, Lord. And even if there are more responses in their hearts today, Lord, we pray that you will come and meet with them and that their eyes will be opened to receive you. Thank you for what you have done for us on that cross. Thank you, Lord, that you paid the price. That you took our sin and shame upon yourself. And through your death and resurrection seated at the right hand of God, Lord. You have overcome death, giving us access to the Father. Giving us sight to the Father. Thank you for each heart who responded this morning. And I pray that they will experience your goodness and your love now where they are at, Lord. And that this will be a turning point in their lives. I want to make one more prayer. If there's anyone here today that feels they still need to let something go, and that prayer came in in beginning just after the worship as well, if you have something that you need to surrender to the Lord, which is causing your blindness, which is making life dark for you, if that is you today, I want you to respond to the Lord. I want you to trust Him and say, Lord, take all of me. I surrender it all. I surrender it all. If that is you, while all our eyes are closed, if you can just put your hands up for a few moments. I just want to acknowledge you. Thank you, Lord, for those hands. So many hands. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you the glory today. In our times of affliction, in our times of adversity, Lord, we call on your name and we know you will get the glory for it. And I pray that into each person's life here today, each response, each heart, each hand that went up for that prayer request. I pray that you will reveal that to them. I pray that you will speak into their hearts, Lord. Now if I can just ask the facilitators for a few moments to come to the front. If that is you who raised your hand, I want to encourage you, do not have to be afraid. Let's step into the Lord's light. Darkness cannot comprehend this light. If that is you, if you want to respond and you want, to, you want someone to trust with you, to surrender that thing which you have just brought to the Lord, I want you to have faith. To be bold like that blind man did. Hear the words of the Lord. Respond to Him and receive your sight. If that is you, I want you to come to the front. Someone is going to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Get one or two more facilitators in the front. If that is you, if, if you feel the Lord is calling you, but you're still struggling to surrender, you're still, still struggling to lay down that one thing, and you know what it is, now is the time. Trust the Lord. Bring it to Him so that you, your eyes of your heart can be opened, your spiritual eyes can be open, to see His glory and goodness and grace in your life. If that is you, I want to encourage you to respond. Come to the front. Someone is going to pray for you. So while we are praying for those in front, if I can ask the rest of the congregation, we're just going to worship the Lord together. We're just going to sing this song. Sing this over yourself, sing this over your family, sing this over your friends. Sing this over these that are responding today. But just declare it. Let's sing it together. straight Father, we thank you that we can come to you anytime, any place, anywhere we are, where we find ourselves, and we can call upon your name, and you are with us. Father, help us to behold you, to fixate on you, to see you, but Lord, help us to have our hearts open, remained open to the working of your Holy Spirit in our lives. May this not be something reserved for for just here, Lord. But as we leave this place today, may it continue to grow. May it continue to resonate and cultivate our hearts. Prepare our hearts, Lord, for the world out there. That we will live lives that behold you. See your glory. See your goodness. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and all the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. We are finished. You are welcome to join us for a coffee outside. For those of you that still need prayer, uh, we're going to remain in the front for a little while. We'll pray with you. But take a moment or so, maybe a minute or so, and just connect with someone that you did not come with. Get to know them. Thank you for coming.